Welcome to the Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast, brought to you by BDO, the trusted accountancy and advisory firm. BDO really are the go-to team to help your hospitality business succeed, providing expert support and advice across all your corporate finance, due diligence, tax and accounting needs. BDO have been a champion of our industry for many years and are really proud to support many of the best brands in hospitality. If you want to make sure your business is in the safest of hands financially, BDO would love to take you for a coffee to understand your business vision so that they can help you get there. Get in touch today at bdo.co.uk to chat about how BDO can help take your hospitality business to the top and please say that I sent you. Supersonic. 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 From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The rocket fuel podcast for food, drink, and hospitality businesses everywhere. Listen up. Tell all your friends and share with your colleagues. Every single episode is packed full of tips, tricks and advice on how you can make your brand boom. So I'm just heading back from Leeds after an amazing few days with a client up there who are really ambitious and making seismic steps to own the food, drink and entertainment market up in the north of England. On the way back, I was a little bit hungry just before my train journey and popped in to Pret, as many, many people do. Leeds Station is really transformed at the moment and really sort of making the city modernised and ready to do lots of business. When I popped into Pret, as usual, great product, great service, great surroundings. And today's episode, we've got the new CEO, who is Panel Christo. And Pano and I met years ago when I worked at Pret. He was an ops manager at the time and he's been so successful and so focused that he's got his final reward of heading up the entire company after Clive Schley. Really hope you enjoy the chat we had. It was great just like being with an old friend. I think Pano was really honest, set out his vision for the next couple of years and also talks about what makes Pret, Pret. So it gives me the most freshly prepared pleasure ever to introduce the new CEO of Pretamonji, Mr. Pano Christou. Thank you. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for seeing me. No, real pleasure. Yeah, and we're in a lovely, uh, well, it's new to me, uh, meeting room at 75B. Correct, our offices. Pret HQ. This is a New York room, so lots of Pret Warhol mashups and um, love sculptures and all this kind of thing. Yeah, so, it's a fun environment, I like yeah. to think. You're proud of it? Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. And I think as well, it's interesting you say Pretz HQ because I would call it Pretz Support Centre yes. rather than a head office yeah. because uh, for me, this office is all about how we support our shops, our teams and our customers. Yes, good shout. Well, how many How many now? How many shops? How many uh, teams, members? So we have, uh, across the world, 574 shops. Wow. And uh, of that, 
Probably close to 400. Well, we'll be very close to 400 in the UK at the end of this year. We've about, I think it's about 12,000 employees. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's excluding uh, the 84 Eats uh, that we yeah. took on uh, July this year. Yes, and congratulations on that. Thank too. you, thank you. That's going to be really exciting. It is, yeah. It's the first time we've ever done anything like uh, mergers and acquisitions and buying, buying a company. Um, but yeah, very excited and, and, and really, really impressed with the E team and the work they've done over the last oh. couple of years in particular yeah, yeah. Uh, and how they've positioned the brand. So we are really enjoying uh, spending time with them and, and learning a lot from them as well. Yeah. Well, I, I think it, you know, was always interesting to see the, you know, it was the two market leaders really. Um, yeah. Kind of until Leon popped up maybe. Um, it always felt like those two were battling for. Definitely. In London in particular. Yeah. yeah. yeah there was definitely, uh, a lot of comparables mm-hmm. and uh, you know I think they, they, they've, they've done a great job in how they've positioned themselves yeah. in London over the years so. yeah no it's cool so let's go back then what about you so I met you it would have been 2012 I was in here for like a year yeah just fleeting in and out and you would have been an ops probably an ops manager, manager at the then? time yeah maybe yeah. yeah I think so so uh, obviously it's been Probably about twenty four years in uh, in the hospitality industry. Uh-huh. Uh, initially, uh, whilst I was uh, kind of just leaving school, sixteen, seventeen years old. And where was that? Uh, so South London, Tootin, Tootin Beck. So I went to the same school as Sadiq Khan, mayor of London. Oh, great! Don't know him at all. He's probably yeah. about six or seven years older than me, but. I grew up... I'm uh, sure you could give him a show. I'm sure he would be <laughs> interested to talk to you. Maybe, Some maybe one day. Cards. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Everyone likes a brick sandwich. So, uh, so yeah, I grew up in South London um, and uh, father's kind of half Italian, half Greek Cypriot, mother's uh-huh. Greek Cypriot. So I had a really Mediterranean upbringing in South London. So okay. a real mishmash of cultures. Once I finished school... Um, I joined McDonald's two days a week, uh-huh. part-time job, yeah. uh, to get some extra cash, um, and absolutely loved working there. Yeah. You know, the customer aspect, the food, and uh, whilst I was at college, I uh, decided not to go to university at the age of 18 mm-hmm. and, and joined them full-time, uh, and then from there moved into management uh, in McDonald's and, and was with them for about four and a half years, uh, applied for prep. Mm-hmm. Didn't get the job. Oh. <laughs> I was told I wasn't experienced enough. So For which role? Uh, for an assistant manager. Okay. And then I joined Blockbuster Videos. Oh, hello. Okay. <laughs> for a, as, as a store manager for about six months and hated it. Please be kind, rewind. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I'm quite yeah. glad now I'm... Well, I wouldn't be there now because they're, yeah. they, they no longer exist. Yeah. And uh, then uh, applied for, for Pret again uh, for an assistant manager mm-hmm. position and uh, got the job. Great. So that was early 2000. And, and really, uh, over the last 19 years, I've done 10 different positions. And uh, I was 22 when I joined Pret. Uh-huh. Uh, so a young buck uh, that really, um, I guess I, I'd, I'd never been into a Pret before I initially interviewed yeah. for the job. Um, and uh, really fell in love with the food was quite daunted walking into a shop and having the food before the till counter because yeah. back then everything was behind the counter yeah. and um, <clears throat> yeah, loved, loved the people, loved the food, joined as an assistant manager, comp- completed my training 
and then uh, joined the Carnaby Street shop team as an assistant manager mm-hmm. back in two th- early late 2000, should I say. And then really from then, uh, I worked my way all the way through the ranks. So assistant manager for a couple of years. Then I was a general manager for about five years. Mm-hmm. So my first shop was uh, 75B, which was our shop number one. The original. Uh, yeah. The original one. And my last shop was a shop uh, on Leicester Square, St. Martin's Lane, which is one of our big flagship stores. Yeah. Um, then from there, I moved up to Scotland. Did you? I did, yeah, and, okay. and lived in Edinburgh for about a year, running the, the Edinburgh and, and Glasgow shops, then uh-huh. moved down to Leeds for six months and uh-huh. uh, did some work in Leeds and moved back to London as a, an operations manager, Ooh, I think back in about 2006. Uh, and then from there, did a variety of roles. Then I was a UK managing director for about four years, mm-hmm. uh, running our, our main market, January this year stepped up uh, to become a Pret COO, so, so it was a position that we hadn't had before. Mm-hmm. So that was really to help Clive reduce the amount of reports he had coming into him, and then I oversaw all the managing directors, so the four managing directors in Hong Kong, France, the UK, and the US. Mm-hmm. And then uh, yes, as of uh, it's probably the beginning of July when it was announced that Clive was leaving, yeah. and then subsequently taken over from September, so a month or so ago. Yeah, and. Oh God, so many questions. I mean, what prepares you for taking on a role like that? How can you best prepare? Because, you know, you're following the Alex Ferguson of food <laughs> yeah. and drink, aren't you? Yeah, pretty much so. Yeah. Um, it's a good question. It, 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 it's a hard one to, 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 to answer. I'd never really, you know, on joining, had, had no thoughts or aspiration of becoming the CEO up until really early this year when mm-hmm. I became the CEO and I thought actually you know this this is a possibility and I know that Clive was keen uh, to, to step away from the business at a point in time after spending 16 and a half years as a CEO um, but I think you know spending 19 years in prep working throughout the ranks understanding our shops mm-hmm. understanding our teams understanding our products uh, one would hope has, has, has given me that uh, position to, to 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 follow, which is huge footsteps to follow in. Yeah. So I'm um, just really, really excited. I think okay. as you know, as, as I say, it's a fantastic brand. There is so much opportunity, and um, I'm, I'm really excited to see how, how things move forward over the next five to ten years. I don't think I can say there's one single thing uh, that can prepare you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just. Having the belief in yourself, mm-hmm. you know, it's a great brand, and uh, now I have it in my hands to to cultivate and grow and, and respect as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and continue the legacy that, that that Clive has developed over the years. Yeah, and then what about sort of measures of success? Then you know, over the next few years, you know, what are you focusing on? You know, is it the good old prep core values or? with a future, you know, you're a lot younger and, and mm. things like that. How are you sort of managing that as well so it doesn't go stale, I suppose? Yeah, so, 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 so I, I think that the next five years will be, you know, quite heavily focusing within our four core markets and continuing to, to grow those markets mm. as there is, uh, I see a lot of uh, runway uh, available for us. Um, I think, it, you know, the, the competition is fiercer than ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the competition is a lot closer to us than, say, five or ten years ago. And uh, we need to continue to uh, reinvent ourselves, but not lose what has made us uh, so strong over the years. So continuing to innovate around our food, continuing to treat our people uh, the way I, I think that 
anyone should be deserve to be treated and at the same time understanding how the world is changing and the trends and whether it's around vegetarianism and, and, and obviously the acquisition of Eat was to help us accelerate the vegetarian veggie prep brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, really how we can bring technology into prep because mm-hmm. really prep doesn't have, a, have an app in the UK. Yeah. Uh, really the only element of, uh, I say technology is our part of sale cash registers at the moment. Yeah. There, there is nothing else. So I think that's a real opportunity for us to, to bring technology in. But don't get me wrong, that comes with its own challenges. You know, how what you don't want to use, lose is the, 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 the interaction the teams have with the customers. Yeah. And uh, we've been working uh, closely with one of our sister companies, a company called Panera, mm-hmm. who are based in the US, have about 2,300 sites and have, have spent a lot on technology over the last five to six years. So mm-hmm. we're just really there working closely with them and learning and understanding the things that they've done that have gone really well, yeah. the things they've done that haven't gone well. So hopefully we can learn from their mistakes and not make those mistakes, but yeah. at the same time start to understand where they've had real traction and take those learns and bring them across. Uh, so I'd say we are very much in, in the infancy of uh, on our technology journey but we've brought on board uh, a lady called Sarah Venin, who's our chief technology officer, comes across from JLP with lots of experience. And uh, I'm really excited uh, to see uh, the journey that she takes uh, press on around technology. Yeah. Well, I think, A, if anyone's listening to this, you're going to probably be inundated now with technology phone calls. Um, but I think that always was one of the things that impressed me about Pret. You know, and I'd already started my own agency and I ditched it to, to come and work here. Um, and it was so impressive that Pret never felt they had to be first. Mm. You know, they always were very cautious and just to, to get it right. And I think if you also, I mean, in terms of breaking the brand, you know, if you put up technology that doesn't work or isn't good or isn't worthwhile, then it could be a big issue, you know. So I think that's what always impressed me. And, and one of the things I got taught when I was here which I've talked about often, was um, the last 15%. Mm, That was always the thing that, you know, Clive always talked about, which was surprising things in food and drink, like the Christmas campaign, which was, we need more snowflakes, whereas most other companies would be like, how much was that a snowflake? You know, just stuff like that, or buying the most optically clear vinyl that you possibly could to make it beautiful, you know? And those things, you can't really capture it on a spreadsheet. No, no. I, I think I think that the, the, the strive for for perfection and execution yeah. has been an obsession uh, internally, uh, and, and I can definitely echo that uh, as as an individual. That that's something that's driven driven myself, and learned a lot about that through through Clive over the years as well. Um, and and I think you're you're right. It's we don't feel the need to be first to market on things, even mm. though at times it's nice to be first to market sure. on, on on initiatives. But that's definitely not the predominant driver. Mm. It's about ensuring that we've got something that can enhance the customer experience rather than hinder. Whereas I think that there are many uh, businesses that will look at technology to rip cost out of their business rather than elevate their business. And and the conversations I've had with with our team is how can we take technology to take our uh, interaction with, with our customers in particular to the next level? Yeah. Uh, that's not easy no and, and we are nowhere near from cracking it but we have a really good team uh, that are work working through that 
Yeah. And what about, um, you get asked this most days, right, and I'm sure you do too, what makes a prep person? So, a, a good question. I, I, I think that, for, for me, it's, a, it's, it's about character. I, I think that, you know, if you are comfortable within your own skin and uh, are, are happy to, 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 to interact, I, th- I think that that's, that's probably a, a, a key part for me. I, I think that the, one of the reasons I've been in prep for, for so long, because it doesn't matter who you are, what you look like, or where you come from. Mm-hmm. You know, if you give something back to the brand, the brand will give something back to you. And, and I think for me, that's a key factor. You, you, you probably look at my background and I'm not the traditional CEO by any means. You know, you don't have many that kind of come up through the ranks. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think for me, that is a, a reflection of prayer. Um, and, and I don't think there's one single thing that prep expects from people to be a prep person, but just by being able to be yourself takes you on that journey and you know we have i think it's 120 odd or so cultures within our shops right it's a real melting point pot pot of activity and the the learns that you take from spending time with different cultures just i think just elevates you as an individual yeah and also if anyone ever gets the chance go into a prep kitchen and work there because just the differences of those as well and there's like gangster rap going yeah. on and everyone having, but also everyone like just working with each other, gamifying what they're doing, friendly competitiveness, you know, some really cool stuff that the customers don't get to even see. I mean, they'll maybe taste it, smell it, all the rest of it, but there's such such camaraderie with, within Definitely. Them. I'd say each shop is like a little family. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I, I say that our kitchens are, are, are really, what I would say, our engines, if, if you were to use the analogy of a car. Um, it's a real hub of activity. Uh, tough environment to work in, obviously. It's very, you know, there's lots of pace going on and, you know, a real uh, passion for perfection when it comes to how we um, make our products. Mm-hmm. But... Um, you know that that that's kind of where the magic happens. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So a couple of things. Then just going back, what not to make you sound like an old man, but um, what's the changes that you've seen then over the years? You know, whether that's with the company or whether that's with products or the market or what have you seen? So I, I'd say in in regards to products, we've seen a coffee business grow significantly over the last decade or so, in particular. Mm. And I would say that, that why is that? Um, I, th- I think a combination of things. I think people are drinking more coffees on the move mm-hmm. than they were 10 years ago. And in, in general, people are drinking more coffee. We- we've done a lot of work on our, our roast and, and the quality of our, of our coffee. And I generally think that our, our coffee is, is, is one of the best uh, on, on the market. Uh, we've got a real high dosage of uh, coffee and you know, it's organic coffee yeah. and we have uh, organic milk as well. So we are the only chain on the high street that has both of those credentials. And uh, I, I think as well that because of uh, our obsession with fast service, yeah. it's pretty much, I'd say, one of the fastest, if not the fastest cup of coffee you can get on the market. Do you want to quote a number? Uh, so we, we have our, our standard is to, to be served within 60 seconds mm-hmm. and to get your coffee within 60 seconds. So that's generally the standard we have in our stores. Yeah. 
you can get them a bit faster or a bit slower at times. But that, <laughs> depending that, that, on that, which that, one you order. Yeah, that, that, that's generally the guideline. And, and, and interestingly, I think on on that point. Our coffee menu has doubled over the last five to ten years. Okay. So that's helped growth, but that has increased complexity in our shops. Yeah. And I think that uh, you know, coffee's been a significant thrust for us over the last ten years. Our hot food has grown significantly as well. Our menu has broadened. Mm-hmm. But that, that, that comes with its challenges as there's always the desire to grow the business through broadening your menu, but that makes your business more complicated. Yeah. And I always say the most Difficult thing in business is to keep a business simple. Yeah. And there are times where you go over that point and you need to bring that point back in. If mm. it becomes too complicated, then you can't execute a business well. And your customers can pick that up yeah. uh, instantaneously. Yeah. And it's I, I can see it in our shops. If there is the service is a couple of seconds too, too long, if there are one or two products not available within our fridges, you see that... In a collection of shops over a period of time, and you can see that impact yourselves, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and the customers vote with their feet. So, yeah. uh, you know, execution um, is is of the highest importance, and I think that a number of businesses have have really raised their game yeah. uh, within that over the years. I think one of the biggest things as well as you know a couple of pieces of advice I got being the you know the crayons guy or. Whatever, was um, you know get out of the way of operations, but and I think that's the trick definitely that Prince seems to pull off, which is um, it's fiercely an operations engine, but you don't see it as that as transactional or clinical or you know. But it's quite a neat trick to be able to pull that off. It's a very very hard balance, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say today you know, and we have always been a very operationally led business, mm. and that's been that's been a core competency for us. I do think for us today, it's important that we continue that, but spend more time uh, understanding our customer and the customer position. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that you know, with how things are evolving with technology and data, that that kind of and uh, companies' understanding of their customer more so. Uh, I think Pret will embark on that journey over the years. Yeah, and then thinking about growth, you know. So many people are maybe listening, they've got one shop or 20 shops or it's that whole 7, 17, 70 thing. Or what were the challenges that you saw, you know, either here or internationally in terms of growing? You know, what, what did you see with that? Because everyone thinks it's a smooth, oh, Fred just nailed it, you know, but obviously that's not the case. So, you know, what happened there? So um, I think that um, if I were to start in the UK, you know, we, we've had a really good... Uh, trend of growth over the years uh, predominantly we've always been quite a London centric business mm-hmm. and I'd say over the last six to seven years in particular we've, we've started to see our growth outside of London uh, and a number of years being uh, more significant than inside London mm-hmm. so I think the consumer across the UK is starting to understand the brand more so internationally um, I think it's, it's, it's uh, really different uh, depending on where we operate in the world, I think that uh, our French business has been doing phenomenally well. Yeah. We've been operating over there for about seven, eight years now. I think we'll finish up on about 37 sites this year. And uh, the team out there are doing a terrific uh, job uh, 
position in the brand in Paris in particular. Mm. I also, who would have thought an English company selling sandwiches with a French name would be successful yeah, in yeah. France? But uh, I think at, at today's point, we, we've we've done very well out there, and I'm very proud of of the teams in France. How do the French customers see it though? Do they see it as what you've just described? Or yeah, I, th- I think they they definitely see us as a um, a British brand. And I think, fortunately, by being in Paris, which has such a good connection to London, that they understand that. So I think there is something to be said about operating adjacent markets. So so I think from that perspective, we've had success. Uh, Hong Kong, um, and again, with a big expat community, Mm. we've seen success there over the years, in particular on the the main island. We've started to venture now onto the the mainland and into the new territories. Uh, and we are starting to see success there as well, making some adjustments to our menu to appeal to more of the locals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in, in the US, we've had we've had a challenging uh, number of years. Mm-hmm. We have a fantastic business in, in New York in particular, very high sales volumes uh, by shop, probably the highest, uh, higher than London wow. or Paris. But New York is a very challenging uh, environment in particular to work in. The food scene's really strong. There've been really high uh, labour cost increases there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's minimum now? Did it ever get to fifteen dollars? Oh yeah, it's at fifteen. Is it really? Yeah. So I think we pay fifteen dollars twenty-five uh, today. Uh, and, yeah. and considering that you know six years ago I think it was seven dollars seventy. So you've had a hundred percent growth in. Uh, six or seven years which is great news for the workforce definitely but you know it has an impact definitely and and, and I think as well even you know seeing that in in, in the UK as as the growth has moved forward and I'm a big believer is pay people what you can afford not what you can get away with good one yeah so I think that there there are far too many companies that will do zero hour contracts that will pay by age even if it's exactly the same job yeah. and we've always said you know if you are serving a customer it doesn't matter whether you're 30 years old or 16 years yeah. old you're doing the same job so yeah. you should get paid the same yeah. money and I think that you know you know the benefits package as well people find it hard to quantify you know benefits for their staff but I think that extra adding it, it, it you know helps dif- differentiate brands yeah no I think that's a good point and also it's the same when you're hiring people don't hire people when you need them. You know, look for great people all the time. Yes. You know, which, yes. you know, I think I was talking to Nando's about this thing and that that's the way they saw it. You know, I thought that was always a very, very astute way, way to look at it. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is brought to you by the good folk at BDO. BDO have been long-term supporters of the hospitality sector and they are really passionate about supporting innovative entrepreneurs on their journeys and they also want to give you the right advice and support to grow your business. Just in case you don't know, BDO provides tailored advice to the sector across corporate finance, due diligence, tax and all accounting matters. BDO work tirelessly to give their clients the advice that they need when they need it to succeed. For more information on BDO and how they can take your business to the top, go to bdo.co.uk. Hashtag ad. So what about communications then as the CEO now, which is just so amazing. I'm just so made up for you. You know, how are you going to 
sort of look at doing your own style of communications. Obviously, <coughs> excuse me. Obviously, Clive was very, very, um, you know, sort of present on Twitter and these kind of things. So, yeah, what, what about all that? How, how are you going to do that? Almost inside and out. Yeah, well, I um, it's very topical at the moment. I'm, I'm, I'm currently formulating my view on how I, I, I am to do that. I have uh, my first week as CEO, I uh, did a blog that I sent out to all of our shops across the road and is on our website as well. Uh, just really talking about a the excitement to become Pret CEO. Yeah. Uh, we videoed it in Carnaby Street where I started as an assistant manager right. and just keep people the opportunity to, uh, to hear my kind of views uh, on Pret uh, today and over the coming years. So uh, I think I'll do more of that. Yeah. Um, I, um, you know, being active on Twitter, uh, maybe, maybe yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not at the moment, but I think that I want to be somebody that is present. I want to be somebody that is active, and uh, in particular, when it comes to uh, the internal piece, I want to be someone that. It doesn't matter how deep in the organisation you are, you can reach out. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm a big believer, and you, you may have heard this on on my blog that I think 99% of the answers to the questions that we have are in our shops. Yeah, you know, and not just in our shops, in our support centre as well, and within our teams. Um, I think what I'm conscious is not to have a big senior leadership team that take all the decisions in an ivory tower somewhere yeah. up there. Um, it's it's about how we understand and you know that's where I get all of my energy from when, when I'm in my shops with the teams and speaking to people because uh, which I've been really proud about is generally you don't have a filter there they just give it to you as it is oh yeah uh, which I absolutely love because that's the only way you can make a difference and I think that how you can um ensure you have a, a really flat structured organization so there's not too many layers there's not too many bureaucracy bureaucratic uh, aspects which becomes difficult the larger you grow and and i think one of my big fears is how you know brett's been known for kind of entrepreneurial spirits and and, and making you know driving change through their business mm-hmm. but that becomes challenging as you as you grow so it's how you can uh, cultivate an environment that people feel empowered to, to do that, to make yeah. mistakes. Yeah. And I continually find myself saying to people, try things, test things, yeah. make mistakes, it's fine. And it's interesting your, with your point earlier, Mark, about Pret would perfect everything before you know that last 15%, mm. which I think is important. Yeah. But at the same time, by agonizing over perfection, sometimes you can miss the trend and so, so I think you, it, it's, 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 it, you need to try and strike a balance because I think we need that strife of perfection but we need to cultivate an environment where people can test things and try things and learn from those experiences because the only way you're going to learn is by making mistakes yeah no you're absolutely right I think also you know just on that point what's really exciting is you know the audition um, you know range that you have in some of the shops and the test stores and people going in you know and at least the customers are feeding back in a fun way. They can tell you what's yeah. right, tell you what's wrong. The teams can see how it's going down. You know, I think that's a really fun way to do it. And old school, you know, there's not huge amounts of data and, you know, it's filling a wee postcard and it just kind of keeps it nice and, and human. 
Yeah, I think I think your point on data is, is, is an important point because I think you, you, you know, it's, it's good to use data to help you, but you can't use data to run your business 100% of the time because what happens, you just go deep, deep into the weeds and it just stops you from, from cutting through. There's a lot to be said about gut feel and intuition and Pret has been a business based on gut feel and on intuition for the last 30 odd years or so. So we need to harness data but not lose that at the same time. And I think your point's on... Recently, we've been uh, working with Eat and, and Eat customers uh, on a campaign around what we would say is save your fave, yeah. because we want to understand the favorite products from Eat customers oh, and see how we can bring them into Pret uh, uh. early next year. Also, the other thing is when we reached out to customers to say, you know, we, we, we know that you have some classic favorites in Pret. What one of your classic favorites would you like to be? seen as a vegetarian product and we're going to be opening our first um, eat to prep veggie prep in Canary Wharf on the 24th of October and you'll see a new range of products uh, that taste absolutely delicious so instead of the BLT you have the VLT which is a vegan take of the BLT which the bacon is replaced by kind of a crispy shiitake mushroom which you'd, you'd be unbelievable with the taste and texture of the product. Mm. Uh, and there's a couple of others that have takes on tuna mayonnaise, egg mayonnaise, really? uh, that have the texture and the taste of those uh, ingredients, but uh, I guess with, with vegetarian or vegan uh, ingredients instead. And we're sitting yards from the, the test kitchen as well. So that's You exciting. are right now, yeah, yeah, just directly behind you. Where so that's where, that's where the magic happens, Very absolutely. Oh, that sounds great. I mean, I'm really excited for that. And... I think that's the most important point, isn't it? Which is, how can you make veggie prep significantly worth visiting? You know, compared Definitely. to the other, you know, the, the, the sort of home, home I, brand or something. I think there's a there's a lot of work we need to do on that by really being clear what veggie prep stands for as a, as, as a sub brand, um, from really trying to differentiate what it looks like from the design to the packaging. And, and, and the food uh, really needs to differentiate from yeah. a, a, what I would call a classic prep, which I think over the last year or so it hasn't done enough of. Mm. And we now need to push that and I th- uh, as we look to uh, grow that, that, that part of our business. Yeah, no, that would be super exciting. Um, I'm just thinking about store openings, right? One of the most exciting things I saw as a customer and from the inside was store openings. So you've got five seventy-ish shops, You've obviously done more openings than that because things move or there's refurbs or this or that. So, yeah, how, how do you feel on game day when it's, you know, new shop opening and all that stuff? Uh, to, to, to be honest, it's one of my uh, most favourite days is kind of day one when we open a shop. Yeah. It's almost like having a child and kind of letting it go and flourish. So that's that that's really exciting. I, I've always been more keen on... I say quality over quantity. Yep. So I don't just want to set a target of opening 30, 40, 50 shops a year. That That's not something that motivates me. It's more, I'd rather open fewer shops, uh, good shops, yep. than, than, than try to hit hit a larger number. Yeah. So that, that comes with its challenges, you know, yep. when you're focusing on quality. But yeah, open, opening a new shop is, 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 is tremendous. We opened our first uh, Eat to Pret uh, on Friday in Morgan. And um, we're opening our second one tomorrow on Broadwick Street. Great. But I just I think it's just the the buzz around the team was so exciting as well. And I think again there was like gamified things going on. So whether they were dressed up or they had to do a little bit about on, yeah. on themselves yeah. or yeah. you know, yeah. and, and I think I was so encouraged as well 
no matter how big this place is, key members of the board, the management teams are still there. And you're thinking that's, you know, I know it should be the case, but it really isn't with so many as they get bigger, you know? Yeah, well, we, we you know, the day before we call graduation day and uh, you got the area managers and the shop teams make it take a lot of effort uh, putting in to ensure it's a real celebration of an opening. So to, 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 to give you a bit of an insight from our first uh, Eat to Prep opening, you had the uh, Eat person and, and a Prep person and they almost did a role play of a marriage. <laughs> so the two of them getting married together oh, as a celebration yeah. uh, for the two brands. <laughs> nice. There's a preet sort of thing that's possible there, but yeah, nice one. And then what about the market? I mean, how are you seeing it out there? I mean, obviously, Pret has a big juggernaut and it does good numbers and all these things, but obviously not complacent. What are you seeing happening out there? What's the changes? It's tough out there. Sure. I, I, I think it's been, uh, you know, this year for us has been a challenging trading year uh, in the UK. We have, uh, you know, there's a number of factors, whether it's the economic climate, etc. Um, I think what's happened this year as well, we have been operationalizing full ingredients labeling. So mm-hmm. it's great that we're now there uh, with every shop in the UK having full ingredients labeling. That is the biggest operational change I think we've had in the last 25 to 30 years, ever yeah. since probably when Julian Metcalf went from a delicatessen prep to a uh, grab-and-go prep. Yeah. Uh, so that's been huge and uh, I'm very proud of the teams in store and the teams that have developed the solution uh, as we moved out. So, so that's that's been our focus has been much more on that than opening new shops this year yeah. uh, because we were very keen to ensure that we, we, we operationalize this because new shops are great but can be a distraction to your core business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we found trading uh, tra- trading's been challenging. Yeah. And then what about um, free stuff? So I saw yesterday on Twitter someone saying, I didn't believe the prep free coffee thing until today, you know? So what's the thinking behind that? So um, we actively encourage our staff to give away freebies and just be spontaneous. Mm-hmm. So um, there, there is no mechanism or methodology behind it. It's not a free coffee or a free lunch. It's just be spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a customer you think that's a bit unhappy, one of your regulars, et cetera, et cetera. So that's generally where it's come from. Interestingly, what we do is if we see that shops are not spending because generally it's not the shops generally don't over uh, overspend it's us continually encouraging them to spend yeah. more uh in engaging with, with with customers so um it's something we brought in i can't remember now maybe seven or eight years ago mm-hmm. and um it's almost been our anecdote to to, to kind of instead of doing your buy one get one free vouchers that's yeah. kind of uh the side there so it's just really encouraging the staff to be spontaneous and, and give back to customers because, you know, we have so many regular customers and new customers coming in. And I think it's, you know, it's not just about cashing in no. profits and sales. How can we give back to customers and who better to do that than our teams in our shops? Yeah. And what about prep marketing? You know, it's such a coveted thing, right? And, you know, any marketer worth their salt really is, is you know, going... Prep's done it again, and you know, and all, and it's up there with the innocence of this world and the apples, and you know, it's seen in those light. So, 
this is an interesting juncture, I suppose, in that you've got digital as part of things. So how do you express prep there? Potentially some new team members coming in, senior and, and things like that. They might want their own look and their own feeling. And also for Pret not to just put out the same old stuff as well. So how are you sort of tackling that? So it's um, it's it's a good point. It's a good point. It, it becomes uh, you know it's it, it's a challenge that we always try to push on ourselves. You may see our recent uh, campaign, our autumn campaign, uh-huh. snuggle up and has yeah. the, the mushroom that looks yes. like a, hedge, a hedgehog. So I would say Pret's marketing needs to be playful, mm-hmm. playful and um, insightful. We it's you know the, the, yes we'll have on. Kind of outside our shop, sometimes you might have a, a product that's there. So we've got our Focaccia product. There's a beautifully snap of that on what we just call our A boards that stand outside mm. our shops. But I think that we uh, we don't want to be run of the mill marketing that's just kind of push, 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 push. Yeah. Um, but again, it, it's it, it's, a, it's a you know it's something I'm very proud of with Prep. We need to continue to challenge ourselves and how we take that to the next level. Yeah. Um, but I'd say that um, it served us well over the years. Your point on digital, um, we are very much on a learning uh, curve on that. So I, I yeah. do think sometimes you need to position yourself slightly differently. Mm-hmm. You need to have a little bit more cut through. So uh, we're just updating our website around delivery and catering and we'll have more food photography than we've had beforehand because generally we're used to steer away from that. It Mm -hmm. used to be the name of the product and the ingredients, but what we're realizing online in particular, customers want to see that more. I don't see the need as much within our shops because we have our fridges that sing for you. Um, so so, so that, that, that that's the challenge really and, and, and we're learning a lot day in day out when it comes to that in particular and how we position ourselves online what well, was so interesting I think um, you know when I went for the interview and you know and I asked in the interview I was like why are you advertising for a head of marketing because it feels like you don't really do any as you say the shops are such a huge beacon for it and it was just so much time and attention just to get that right the yeah. wording right the wording on the packaging right the people doing their thing, and that pretty much, you know, and, and I think it was such a nice thing that the best brands don't feel like the market, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. they don't discount and they don't seem needy or grabby or, so yeah, it's an interesting spot to be in at the moment for sure. It, it, it is, and I, you know, we don't have big marketing budgets, and I'm sure you know. know that Mark from <laughs> spending, working with us for a while, and, and we, we continue that. Um, but it's, yeah, it's how we can get our shops to, 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 to sing, and, and to translate that to the customer. Yeah. But at the same time, I think as we evolve our presence online, we'll learn and, and may have to take some different steps forward. Just as an outsider looking in, um, again, a lot of questions come up sort of saying, how big is that marketing team? Oh, but pre- it's huge. And, you know, just to quantify that, you know, how, how big is the marketing team? I mean, it's, it's much smaller than people would imagine. Yeah, well, it's probably one of our smaller teams. Yeah. And uh, I can't remember exactly how many people. So it's about, I think there's about 40 people there. Yeah, maximum. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just, you know, you get asked so often going, there must be a team of, you know, cast of thousands. You're like, oh, not really. I, I say it's about 40 people. We've got customer service, customer service. in there as well, which yeah. is a big chunk of that. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's probably a, uh, probably a third or so smaller than that. Um, so what about the culture piece then? That again, this is one of these mystic myths of 
Pret's culture. How do you make sure that it keeps together and stays as it ever was? You know, what, what do you do there? Well, I, th- I think we're fortunate that we have a lot of people that work for Pret for many years. True. So, so you have what I would call custodians of Pret mm-hmm. that, that continue to, to, to in- inject that as, as we move forward. Uh, we have a fantastic mystery shopper program within our stores, mm-hmm. uh, which is re- very much about empowering our teams to serve our customers to the best of their ability. And uh, you know, our teams internally are bonused on that as well, um, which helps to kind of keep the consistency. But I think it's remembering what's made Pret great mm-hmm. and uh, you know, continuing to cultivate that because I think the culture... You want to keep the true aspects of the culture, but you want to grow the business at the same time. Yeah. So it, it, it's it's that uh, it's that healthy tension as you move forward, um, and and, it, and it's a challenge as as, as a business grows. Mm-hmm. But the the culture is a key part of prep, um, and it's I would say the the number one thing for me what what makes prep culture what it is is the fact that we have people that feel that they have a voice and they can feed into the business and how we take the business forward. Mm -hmm. Um, My my style as a leader is I'm definitely not the command and control type of leader. I'm collaborative. I like Mm -hmm. to think by nature. Um, I've always believed surround yourself with people that are a lot smarter than you and you'll generally do okay. So I've kind of taken that mantra forward over the years. And, you know, thousands of brains are much better than one or two brains. And, And I think having that collaborative approach helps to, to to drive the culture from the inside out yeah and then a few other things then just you know sort of looking towards letting you go and getting on with your life um so the menu shake up that sort of happened lately lobster roll how did that go down uh well uh, we've sold lobster roll in in our u.s business for for a number of oh, years okay and uh we we always wanted to sell it in the UK, but just found it the cost base was just too expensive. Mm. So then we took the decision this year to say, actually, yes, it's got a high food cost, but we're, we're just going to give it a go just for a bit of fun, just to see. Yeah. So th- there was no commercial slant to it at all. So we um, put it into about 130 shops, mm-hmm. so a relatively small proportion of shops. And we were just blown away with how quickly it flew off the shelves. Yep. Um, and I think that that was, you know, six, six pounds for, for, for a lobster roll is probably the cheapest lobster roll you can buy, Definitely. but a great tasting lobster roll as well. And we have our own, our own twist as well. So we haven't used a traditional sweet brioche bun. We've used a traditional white uh, baguette. Uh, and it, it was such success that what we're going to do is in November – which comes uh, coincides with our Christmas launch. We're going to I was bring just it back. Just going to ask that. Yeah, we're going, we're going to bring it back, and we are going to have it in about three hundred shops. Great. Um, we bought a stock for about I know six or eight weeks, so that ran out pretty quickly. And yeah. we, once we saw it was successful, we couldn't actually increase the shop uh, shops we had it in because of the stock levels we had. So, um, and I know the, the I think in our airports we're going to have a larger sized um, lobster roll as well. Maybe. That'll be exciting. Can you see when Christmas sandwich day is yet? Uh, I can't know. Uh, Some sometime in November. Okay. What you'll right. have is if if you're on uh, uh, Prep's Facebook page uh, or any of our social um, platforms, 
you'll get uh, at some point soon a, a, a post that will uh, direct you to put in uh, the date in your diary. Great. Because I was thinking about um, your speech I was doing lately and I, I majored on Pret and, and one of the things I talked about was great brands' own moments. And, you know, I think definitely Pret's own that moment for sure. You know, just that Christmas date in the diary and it always seems to come out top. Yeah, no, we're we're very, very proud of our Christmas sandwich and um, our food team have done a great uh, job this year positioning our menu um, for this coming Christmas. And we we really want to go to town uh, in regards to how we decorate our shops as well. So Mm -hmm. from hanging um, snowflakes to Christmas hats, the the lot, I think is really taking the opportunity to celebrate that. Interestingly, last year we didn't uh, go as... uh, as hard as we'd had beforehand so I, I think it's uh, it's one of those things as you said earlier is that 15% how can we make it really special yeah. and not really spend that time thinking about God we have to spend this amount of money and we can't go over let's yeah. just celebrate just be all in yeah yeah definitely so Pret's future then um, what's next so obviously there's the digital side of things there's growth side of things I saw a post from Simon Stenning at MCA about Wonder box is that what you call it yeah yeah so i just yeah what what's on your mind for the the next well i think that over the next year or so it's i'd say focusing our existing markets Mm -hmm. integrating eat into prayer is is a huge job so a lot of our focus in the uk will be beyond that and um you will see uh more veggie preps across the uk Uh, we'd like to get up to at least 20 or so uh, by the end of next year yeah which is a huge step on from kind of the three or four we have at the moment uh, so I'd say it, the eat integration is is a big priority uh, we are in what I'd call a real test and learn phase around technology so understanding that more so mm-hmm. and uh, continuing to focus on our core markets uh, and, and just really um, my, my, my sense is focusing on operational excellence yeah. within our shops continuing because I don't think that we've been as on point as uh, we have been in the past over the last year or so and I think that that's because we've been heavily focusing on operationalizing the full ingredients labeling yeah. so once we get that to a position that we are happy with then we can start getting our managers to focus on what I always say fast engaging service and great food that's available for the customers throughout the day. Great. Um, so last bit of the stuff for fun. Uh, I've got a little segment called Mark Out of 10, which is just some questions for you. Okay, cool. Things yeah. that you like. Yeah. So best city to eat in? I'd say Barcelona. Okay. Bit biased. My wife's from Barcelona. Okay. So, <laughs> so I, I, I love Spain. Uh-huh. Just the, the, the culture, uh, the food... Uh, the people everything about it so it's a Barcelona I'd not say. a bad place best restaurant ever hmm that's a good question I like Barrafina I think Barrafina yeah. Barrafina are good probably my one of my favourites at the it's moment it's a good show good show I think just Michelin star doesn't it it is yes yeah yeah, yeah. nice um, best dish or meal so if you was to ask me five years ago, it's very different to what it is today. Okay. So I would have told you five years ago, uh, probably a nice steak, fries, and a Ooh, salad. Uh-huh. 
Uh, and I've been trying to reduce my meat uh, intake in uh-huh. particular. My wife's a vegetarian. Uh, so I'd say today it's probably a spinach and ricotta cannelloni. Okay. So when I came back from Spain late in August, as we, we were over there in the summer, I uh, took a month out not eating any meat or fish and, and trying to be a vegetarian. So generally now during the week, I will eat, uh, I won't eat any meats. I might have a bit of fish. Yeah. Uh, might treat myself on the weekend, but really trying to reduce that intake. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, cannelloni. Good one. And that's got to be good news for Veggie Pret as well. If yes. The, the leader's looking that way as well. That's good. Um, do you drink alcohol? I do. Okay. So best alcoholic drink, what's your go-to? I love a glass of red wine. Yeah? Any particular that you're loving? Um, I, I generally like a full-bodied, so whether it's a Bordeaux or a Rioja. Uh-huh. So I'm probably more of a traditionalist. So I kind of go to the, the French wines, the Spanish wines, and the Italian wines. Yeah. No, I don't go to the New Worlds as, as, uh, as, as much, but... I, I do love a uh, good uh, glass of red wine. Probably when the summer's out, I'll have a beer, but but predominantly yeah. a glass of red wine yeah. uh, in the evening. Same, same. Um, and then worst meal, worst experience you've had in a restaurant? You don't have to name and shame if you don't want. <laughs> um, there's been a there's been two occasions actually in in two uh, two chains. Um, that I had that I w- were go tos and I'd love them for what they've done over the years, mm-hmm. but gone back in recent years really disappointed just because of the quality of the ingredients. Yeah. And, it, and you and I spoke about earlier, Mark, about people focusing on cost and reducing ingredient quality, uh, and, and just when you can tell it, that that kind of frustrates me. Yeah. So I wouldn't say there's an outright horrendous meal, but I just think that some. Um, restaurant chains as of recent you've just seen a significant downturn in in, in the quality of the ingredients and yeah. i'm a big believer it doesn't really matter how creative the recipe is mm-hmm. the ingredients are what heroes of product yeah and, and i think that's uh what you are seeing in in, in a lot of brands uh falling f- falling over over the last few years okay and then very last thing then any tips for anyone that is in the QSR, for want of a better word, business, or whether they've got 100 shops or whether they've got one, what what would you say to them to to have a successful business? So I think really understand what makes you unique Mm -hmm. and focus on that. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a key thing. Far far too often uh, brands try to be... I try to copy, sure. and I think. Don't get me wrong. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of stealing with pride mm-hmm. when it comes to finding something fa- fantastic from a brand. But I, I think really try to understand uh, and, and believe what you stand for for understanding your customer, and then just focus on that to the nth degree and just go as hard as you can yeah. to push that forward. So, yeah. so that would probably be uh, my one piece of advice. And I think pr- probably a, a second tip would be just listen to the people. Uh, within your businesses, you know, to, to, to down to the lowest level because that's where you'll get the most interesting insight from and, and, and where you'll learn the most from. Yeah. Pano, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks Thank you very so much, Mark. Much. It's yeah. been great to see it's you. It's been nice to come back and visit and see a new home. <laughs> and I just wish you health and wealth and great success in the new role as well. Thank you very much, Mark. Thanks, man. A huge thanks to Pano Christou, the new CEO of Pret-a-Manger. Congratulations on the role. You had so much wisdom to share, so much care for the staff. And even when I was in 
setting up for the podcast, I could hear Pano talking to all of his teams, telling every single one of them and looking them in the eye and talking about how much he appreciates everything that they do. That, for me, is a great leader. So amazing stuff, Pano. Congratulations and wish you so well in the new role. A massive thanks to yourselves for listening. Really appreciate it. We're almost at 11,000 listens now, so really chuffed with that. Thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Thanks for the messages and the continued support also. A huge thanks to BDO, our sponsors, for everything they've done since the start of the new Supersonic podcast. A huge thank you also to Gaz and Gabby for putting together the podcast and all of the hard work they put in every single week. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope that listening to panel today has given you some real value that will help your brand boom. Mm-hmm.